Bibles, if you're able to this morning, and let's stand for the reading of the Word of God, Luke chapter 16, Luke chapter number 16, and uh, this month we've been focusing on reaching folks with the gospel, and uh, it's all about souls. The Bible says the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. And uh, this is a part of a Christian life. Most of us, a lot of times, don't think about it. And so when you, uh, when you talk about certain things in life, sometimes we hear, but we really don't listen. And as I was thinking about and praying about, Lord, what would you have for this Sunday? God brought me to Luke chapter 16. And I've entitled today's message, Soul Winning from Hell. It's unusual. As a matter of fact, it's a subject that most of the time you don't even hear preached on anymore. But it's a real place. And I wonder if today you would just allow all the distractions... Make sure your phones are off, there's nothing preoccupying your mind, but you just listen to God. And you listen to this one that is speaking to us from hell. If you have your Bible there this morning, beginning in verse 23, and in hell... He lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Now, I thought about this morning as I read in my office early, early this morning. I thought about reading this rich man's words differently than I just read them. Because I understand that this rich man is in the flames of torment 
And I don't really think that he said what he said the way I said it. I believe that he was in pain, agonizing pain, excruciating pain that does not go away. And that's how I believe he would have said these words. From this man's testimony and from his witness, I want you to hear from hell this morning. I know that this is not a popular subject, but it's one we all need to hear. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts. Thank you for what you did in the early service this morning, and I pray, God, that you would do it again. Lord, help us to understand the magnitude, the reality of what we'll hear this morning. And God, may we not just be hearers of the word, but be doers. And we'll thank you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. When I look at this passage about hell, it reminds me of just before the death of a long time ago actor by the name of W.C. Fields. Anybody remember W.C. Fields? A few people do. W.C. Fields, before his death, a friend visited him in his hospital room. As his friend came into his room, he was kind of surprised because he knew W.C. Fields, and he saw him thumbing through a Bible. And he asked W.C. Fields, he says, what are you doing with that Bible? And this was Field's response. He said, I'm looking for loopholes. There are no loopholes in the Bible. You either accept Jesus Christ and spend eternity with the Lord in a place called heaven, or you reject the gift of God and you spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. Statistically, and this is probably a couple years old, I'm sure it's probably even worse, but statistically we find that over twenty, the past 20 years, the number of Americans, not everybody in this world, the number of Americans who actually believe in hell has dropped from 71% to 58%. I think the number's even lower. Now this rich man that we just read about in Luke 16, He was probably like many that didn't believe in it. But his position changed when he arrived there. And I want you to see with me from God's Word this morning four aspects about this man that hopefully will help us, as we've heard many songs this morning, have a greater passion and burden for those that do not know Christ as their Savior. Notice first this morning that this man was a conscious man. Here he is in hell. And the Bible says that as he was conscious, first of all, in what he saw in his seeing. In verse 23 it says, And in hell he lift up his eyes. Here's this man, 
that is now looking at his surroundings. They're different. And as he's looking at his surroundings, he's looking through scalding tears. This is a real man in a real place experiencing real torment. He was a man in a literal body, in a literal place called hell. He was conscious in his seeing. He was conscious in his hearing. He no doubt around him in the flames, he could hear his fellow sufferers moaning, crying out, cursing, screaming. Say, Pastor, where do you get that from? Well, the Bible says in Matthew 13, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. This man was also conscious in his feeling. Many places in the Word of God we find the Bible illustrating the pain, the suffering that exists in a place called hell. In Matthew 25, the Bible says, Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Now those of us that are saved today, when you put your faith in Christ, you and I received eternal or everlasting life. But somebody that rejects the gift of God, the Bible says that they now have inherited everlasting fire. Mark 9, 45, if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. doesn't matter how hard people try. And we thank God for fire firefighters that have put out many fires, but the hell fires will never be quenched. They can never be extinguished. It is an eternal torment. And this man, as he's there in hell, look, he's giving us a very vivid picture. The reality of hell is far more intense than the symbolic of it. This man was also conscious in memory. Look in your Bible, if you're there still, in verse 25. Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. So Father Abraham says to him, he says, do you remember? In other words, he's telling this man, and the guy begins to remember all the opportunities that he, like so many, wasted during his lifetime. Opportunities that came, and he squandered them. Probably the greatest opportunity that he squandered was the opportunity to be saved, to have a home in heaven. And now he's in hell, it's too late. He's left there with, like many, his regrets, his missed opportunities. You see, he's conscious in his memory. He's conscious in his taste. Look at verse 24. 
The Bible says, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. It's evident from this passage that those that are in hell still have the same wants that they had while they were in this world. One thing I see in his consciousness is that this man's senses were all awakened. They were alive. All of Scripture proves that that this man, as well as others, that when they are in hell, they are not dead. They are alive. Hell is not the end. It's just the beginning of experiencing a living death forever. You see, it is a real place where real people really go. And the man was conscious of that. And as he was there and became conscious of all these things, something happened that should have happened before he got there. He became concerned. Suddenly he's concerned about things that maybe never crossed his mind while he was alive. Things that maybe you haven't thought about, that many in this world haven't thought about. He was concerned about life after death. I mean, he may not have been given eternity a second thought while he was alive. I've talked to a lot of people about, do you know for sure that heaven would be your home if this was the last day that you had on this earth? If you drew your last breath, would you step into the presence of God? And many times people say, well, I don't know. I'm not sure of that. Well, this morning we hear from a man that was in hell, that's been there for all these many years, that never gave a second thought about eternity. He was in this world like many, living in his mansion, had everything that this world had to offer, enjoying his worldly wealth, the mammon of this world. But everyone, including this man, needs to understand, we will not live forever. The sad reality is that's the way most people live. That's human nature. I have time for that later. And many put off the Lord. But see, the Bible teaches us that after we die, that your soul, the soul of everyone, will live on in eternity in one of two places. And this man here is thinking about life after death. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. He was concerned about life after death. He was concerned about repentance. He says in verse 24, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. The man never gave his sinful condition any thought. He lived the way that he wanted to, and he's now dead. He's in hell, but there is a noticeable difference and a change in his attitude. It seems like he's interested in making changes, but it's too late for him. Notice the Bible says in Luke 13, 3, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. The man was concerned 
about life after death, about repentance. But the Bible tells us he was also concerned about others missing help. Look with me, if you would, at verse 27. After his conversation with Abraham, notice he said, I pray thee therefore, Father Abraham, that thou wouldest send him, talking about Lazarus, to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. See, he's concerned now. While he was alive, he had five brothers. Now, God's never given me a brother. I probably would have always been having issues with him or something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we would have got along. One thing the Bible doesn't tell us is how this man and his brothers got along, what kind of relationship they had. Maybe they fought like some brothers do. Maybe they, a couple of them got along real good. The Bible doesn't really tell us. What it does tell us is that now that he's in hell, they're on his mind. They're in his heart. He's thinking about how they come from the same stock that he comes from. Many of them were just like him, maybe worse. And he's thinking about his brothers. He knows that they're just like him, and he knows that because they're like him, that where he is, there's a good chance they're going to be there too. The Bible tells us that he opens his mouth. You see, it's too late for him. I wonder how many of us know someone, but we haven't taken the time to tell them, to talk to them, to beg them, to plead with them to come to Jesus. Are you concerned? The man was conscious in hell. He was concerned in hell. Notice he was also convinced while he was there. There were some things he became convinced about seconds after he drew his last breath. He was convinced of things that might have in his life been kind of cloudy, fuzzy, maybe things he really didn't understand. Some even here this morning might be like I used to be. There were a lot of things I did not understand. And sometimes we don't understand things. Instead of trying to understand them, we just brush them away, push them away, just leave them alone. But the man, as he was there in hell, became convinced that hell is not a story. Now, you study the Bible, Jesus many times taught, he was the master teacher. Many of his teachings were called parables, parabolic teaching. What you find in the parables that Jesus taught, in the parables he never mentioned a person by name. But you know that this is not just some made-up story here because he mentions Lazarus by name. And the man's convinced. You know why? Because he's there. 
This isn't a story. People say the Bible's just a bunch of fiction. No, it's truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. The man was convinced that hell is not a story, that hell is real. He was there, still there. He was convinced that hell is not the grave. The Bible says, look at it, verse 22. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So when you look at this, in verse 22, the man lived... He died and he was buried and immediately in verse 23, he opened his eyes in the flames of hell. So the guy is convinced now that hell is not, as some people say, hell's not the grave. Notice also hell is not the end. The man became convinced of this because he now knows, because he's there, that the soul lives on in hell. And if a soul dies in unbelief, listen to what Jesus said in John 8. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is God, that he died for your sins? Jesus said, if you believe not, See, the man was convinced that hell is not the end. He was also convinced that hell is not purgatory. The rich man is convinced, read it yourself again, that he will remain where he is forever. It's eternal, everlasting fire. He asked Lazarus, he He said, send Lazarus. Look, he could not himself get out. So he says, since I can't go anywhere, send someone else. Send Lazarus to my brothers. He knows that he will never be allowed to leave the torments of hell. Revelation 14, 11, the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they shall, notice, have no rest day nor night. And a lot of times you talk to people and, and you talk about this matter of go, people going to a Christless eternity. And sometimes people even said to me, I just don't believe that a loving God would ever send someone to hell. And the Bible answer to that is God doesn't send people to hell. People reject the gift of God. That's the whole reason Jesus came. We celebrate Christmas. Christmas isn't about the presents and the lights. It's about the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I read this verse earlier, but I didn't highlight. I want you to see this. Go back here in your notes or in your Bible in Matthew 25. Look at verse 41 again. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire. Now look at the rest of the verse. That everlasting fire was prepared for who? The devil and his angels. 
See, I really believe that God is not willing that any would perish. I really believe that hell wasn't created for man. But see, many people like this man are not convinced of that fact. That without Christ, that's where they will spend eternity. And the man in hell was conscious. He knew what was going on. He was concerned about his brothers. He was convinced hell's real. But think about this. He was a condemned man. Notice he was condemned without a chance. While this man was alive, certainly he enjoyed lavish things in life. He had all kinds of opportunities. He was reminded while he was in hell of the things that he enjoyed that Lazarus didn't enjoy. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. But the reality is, listen, all of us have been given the blessing called life. All of us have opportunity. All of us can enjoy the same things when it comes to God. I want you to think about some of the things that both of these men, Lazarus and the rich man, had. Notice in Galatians 3, they both had the testimony of God's law. The Bible says, wherefore the law, talking about the Word of God, was our schoolmaster to bring us into Christ that we might be justified by faith. Anybody else in here old enough to remember what a schoolmaster is? (laughs) You know, I still remember the school that I went to. I remember how they cracked the whip. I mean, nowadays... If I was a kid again, that, those people would be put in jail for that whip they cracked. But the Bible says here, the law, the Word of God, is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The law does not save, Jesus saves. But understand that the law points us to Christ so that we might be justified. See, both the rich man and Lazarus Both had the opportunity of the testimony of God's Word. But notice they also had the revelation of God in creation. We live in this world every day. And if you look around, look, you can't go anywhere without seeing the creation of God and the beauty that God has for us to enjoy in this world. The Bible testifies of it in Psalm 19. Look at it. The heavens declare the glory of God and the Firmament showeth his handiwork, day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Every day, the rich man, Lazarus, They would see the sky, they would see the clouds, the sun, the moon, birds, plants, trees, whatever. All of that was a testimony that there is a God. Notice they also, both of them, 
had light. Look in John 1.9. The Bible says, that was the true light, notice the capital L, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So according to John 1.9, how many people have been given light by God? Every man. God has made himself known to all of us, including the rich man and Lazarus. You see, they both had a choice to make. What was Lazarus's choice? Faith in God. What was the rich man's choice? His riches, himself, the mammon of this world. In other words, he chose not to believe. And here he is. This rich man chose his sin over the Savior, and because of that, he's in hell today. Many people separated from God, separated from anything that has to do with God. Notice First Thessalonians, or excuse me, Second Thessalonians 1, verse number 8, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Uh, Sometimes I talk to people and I'm amazed. It's been a while since I've heard it, but I've had some people who have said this to me while I've talked to them about eternity. And I've asked them if they knew Christ as their Savior. And they just boldly told me that, oh no, I'm, I'm going to hell. And they followed that with this statement. And we're going to have quite the party. And I think to myself, what? Now the reason that they say that or think that is because they don't know the truth about hell. Hell will not be a party. This man was condemned. He made his choice. The day of his opportunity had passed. He was condemned without a chance. He was condemned without a change. Think about this man's situation. There will never be a change in his experience of torment, unsaved people will be separated from God in eternal punishment, everlasting. So what does a person have to do to go to hell? Be born, live, and die in their sin. That's all they have to do. When you search the Scriptures, one verse that many of us as Christians know is John 3.16. But I want you to look at a verse, two verses after that verse, verse 18. Notice what the Bible says. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned. What's that next word? Already. You don't have to do anything to go to hell. Just live and die in your sin. Notice the Bible says, 
because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Salvation is in Jesus. He said, I am the way. Neither is there salvation in any other. And we need to understand this morning that if we don't know, or your friend, or your neighbor, or your, your co-worker, if they do not know Christ as their Savior, or maybe you this morning, please don't join this rich man in hell. Don't let Satan play you. The Bible tells us that God has not left himself without a witness. And the most unlikely candidate this morning, our witness, is a rich man. He's not enjoying his riches anymore. He's not having a party. The Bible doesn't tell us. We can only speculate what happened to his five brothers. But can I remind you of his words again? Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. What's it going to take for you or I to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ, about eternity, before it's eternally too late? Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning? will be done in just a moment, but I'm going to ask if you would just to sit still for just a second. I want you to think about this man this morning. God allowed this man's life to end and to be included in his word as a testimony to all of us, even to this day. The man wasn't conscious, he wasn't concerned, he wasn't convinced until he got to hell. He was just enjoying life. One thing that he was before he got there was he was condemned. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior... The whole reason God has you here today is so that you can put your faith and trust in Him today. So that you don't have to go to a place that we've been talking about, that God has given us in His Word in Luke 16, a place called hell. Would you stand to your feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? If God has spoken to your heart this morning, This is called an invitation, an opportunity for you to respond to the Lord. If you're visiting today, you're welcome to come and spend time with the Lord. Why don't you just step out and come down front. We call this an altar, a place where you can get on 
your knees with God in heaven. Maybe you want to come today and ask the Lord to be your Savior so that you can have a home in heaven. If you need to be saved, why don't you come? We'll have somebody take the Bible and help you to know that you can have a home someday when God calls you. Some of you Christians, you're not in hell today. You're still in this world. If you're saved, heaven is your home. But some of, some of you right now are thinking of someone you know that unless something or someone intervenes in someone's life that you know that this will be their destination, why don't you come and pray? Pray that God would use you to help them to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Listen, if God is speaking to you right now, the question is, are you concerned enough about them? Why don't you come? Pray for them by name. Ask God to help you to be a witness. Listen, if we are conscious that hell is real and we're concerned about those that are lost and we're convinced that unless we take the truth to them that they're going to be condemned for all of eternity. As Brother Kenny sings this morning, if you need to come, you come.